You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Bill Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national. We cover down on all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is a Tuesday. Welcome to Tuesday, which we call Camel Eve around here. But uh, it is a beautiful Tuesday afternoon, and Boomer's on the board. Hey, buddy. Hey. We're shaking. Oh, you know, I'm here. I'm loving it. It's beautiful outside. <laughs> I'm just pushing buttons. <laughs> you just, you're just pushing them all in the right order. As long as you're doing that, we're fine. Um, all right. Hey, good to see you, my man. Yes. Uh, hey, so we got a great show laid on for you today. At 3 o'clock today, we're going to break from the Triple Dipper and take a call from U.S. Senator Katie Britt. Uh, get a get a feel for what's been happening her first, you know, what, month and a half or so in office. We're going to find out uh, how life's going. She also recently made trips to the Middle East and a second trip to the southern border. So we're going to talk to U.S. Senator Katie Britt about her travels and get her thoughts on what she's seeing in terms of Biden's foreign policy and what the uh, U.S. Senate can or cannot do about it. So that's 3 o'clock, U.S. Senator Katie Britt. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. And then at 4 o'clock, Erica Thomas. She's been on the show multiple times. Erica Thomas is one of the reporters at 1819 News, and she just wrote a very interesting piece. In fact, it's so funny because I, I caught wind of something last night on the news, and I texted Jeff Poor, who's the executive editor over there at 1819. I said, hey, man, did you see this? And he goes, the story's already up on 1819. I went, oh, there you go. Erica Thomas wrote it. <laughs> She'll be here to talk about it at 4 o'clock, so stay tuned for that. And then I got a triple dipper par excellence, so hit it, buddy. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. Number one, I didn't get to it yesterday, so I'm starting off right out the gate. Policy versus reality. What happens when you've got a policy in place, something that is done by government, and then reality just does not at all match the outcome. Like, wow, that was a fail. We'll talk about it. Policy versus reality. Coming up number one on the Triple Dipper. Number two, got to do it every once in a while. I'm running through the news and I'm like, wow, that's woke. Woo, look at that wokeness. Wow, 10 pounds of woke. So, yep, we got it today. Number two on the Triple Dipper, adventures in woke world. And then number three, and this one, this one bugs me, I'll be honest with you, but there's a huge event that happened in uh, Atlanta over the weekend that is not getting near the amount of attention that it should. And I'm going to go ahead and say that number three of the Triple Dipper is going to outline some of that and more, and I'm calling it the War on Cops. So the War on Cops is number three on the Triple Dipper. Y'all stay tuned for that. All right, let me, uh, let me pivot over to my comments to open the show today. My opening monologue today, I got to tell you, last night, last night, probably like some of you, I watched in anger and frustration and some fascination as the long-held narrative that January 6, 2021 was a violent insurrection just fell apart when the previously unseen videotape was finally released to the world. It's a story that needs to be told, but let's, let's talk about the backstory, though. Let's talk about the violation of the public trust. Now, I'll, I'll preface it by saying some years back I saw a legal case from start to finish. It was a case in which one individual had been wrongfully terminated by his employers 
who had made certain promises. And when it all came down to it, those employers, they chose to ax the employee rather than have to keep their original promises. In the case, sure, it turned on a number of legal theories. There was a theory of at-will employment versus contract. There was the legal premise of taking adverse action against someone because of their military service. There was also the question of whether or not the promises made had induced the former employee to forego other options in his life and whether that meant fraud. It was a legal case, sure. But more than that, though, it was a case involving actual betrayal. It was a case in which hopes were lifted and dashed, in which friendships proved to be only surface relationships. Eventually, the employee in that case who had been fired, he was able to prevail. A simple mediation resulted in him receiving some things that were due to him by agreement without having to pursue the matter all the way to a jury. So what did it? What was the, what was the kicker that, that put that thing into settlement? Was it the overwhelming evidence that led to the validity of the claims made? Was it the lawyers that had such amazing reputations for courtroom prowess? Could it be that the judge was known to favor employment law victims? Well, the answer is no to all the above. To be sure, it was a good case. The evidence was fairly strong in the terminated employee's favor. The judge was a good one, but he was also known to be fair and to evenly apply the law. The real thing, the real thing that drove that legal case to a successful conclusion was, wait for it, shame. You heard me, right? It's, it's the real crushing blow to the defense in that case was the realization that while they might be able to argue their positions legally, that they could not do away with the claims made against them in the purely social sense. They knew that they themselves and their business and their own good names would have to stand in front of a jury of their peers and try to explain with a straight face why they felt they could get away with their actions. Why, even though they might have had some inkling of legal authority in their favor, that they could just, you know, ignore the fact that everyone was going to see that they had lied. Shame did it. Shame brought them to their senses. Or at the very least, shame made them question their ability to get away with it. You see, there's a lot to be said for allowing a little sunlight to not only expose a stain, but also to wash it out. Bringing those matters out of the shadows and laying them bare in the hard light of day is what moved that case that I'm talking about to a successful conclusion. Well, yesterday... With regard to the so-called January 6th insurrection, we finally saw actual sunlight washing over the story that had been thrust on the American public for the last two years. So in case you haven't heard, let me just back it up and fill in the blanks for you. On Monday night, last night, March 6th, 2023, two years and two months to the day after the events of January 6th, 2021, Tucker Carlson on Fox News was able to bring the first installment of his expose on the unredacted surveillance video from the Capitol. You see, upon taking office and assuming GOP control of the Congress, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy kept his word, and he released all 41,000 hours of surveillance video that had previously been kept under wraps. <laughs> By his own admission, Tucker Carlson made note that much of the video was innocuous. It contained hours of empty hallway footage. But there were also many, many, many portions of the unredacted video that completely destroyed the narrative that had been foisted on the U.S. public for the past two years. So completely that I can't help but wonder now if the leaders of the House January 6th Commission and other Democrat leaders and members of the press, they might not possibly be experiencing some degree of shame today. Shame at being caught at the very least. Shame from knowing that betrayal is now in the eyes of the American public. You see, shame can be a motivator. And I wonder if the members of that commission who so overwhelmingly told us of the awful and heinous attempts by armed citizens to overthrow their own government for the past two years might not feel a bit of shame as the story began to disintegrate in front of their very eyes. 
Shame from making those stories so bare and unadulterated that people have had their lives upended because of it. Criminal charges and plea deals and trials have all been occurring that have resulted in people losing their livelihoods, their families, their freedoms. And I wonder if anyone who perpetrated those falsehoods thought for even a second that, you know, hey, those who've been accused might have a right to see this video since it includes layer upon layer of exculpatory evidence. Make no mistake, this has been a betrayal. It is something that many of us have known in our gut but did not have the videotape yet to prove. We could feel the gross lies, but we couldn't lay them bare yet in the bold light of day, and now we can. The lies were levied for purely partisan political reasons. The lies were used to send people to jail for the simple purpose of propping up the narrative that violence and mayhem and insurrection were perpetrated, and yet in the bright light of day, we can now watch in fascination and not a little bit of disgust as Capitol Police opened doors and waved people in and let them take selfies and even toured them around to show them the next hallways and even opened doors and gave them access to the House and Senate chambers. At one point, the crazy dude with the horns who became known as the QAnon shaman, he's seen walking peacefully as Capitol Police lead him from one door to another to help him find a way into the House chamber. Even at one point, he's standing there calmly with upwards of nine Capitol Police officers who just seem to be rather amused by him. Well, that guy, the QAnon shaman, he's now serving four years in prison. And I wonder if he was given access to these videotapes before being pressured into his plea deal. So I'm not going to pull punches. The video made me mad. I'll be honest with you. It did. Ask Charlene. I had a few things to say out loud. The video shows that we've been lied to again and again and again. It shows that people who were elected to defend the public trust chose to violate that trust again and again and again. I'm curious how long it's going to take before the civil lawsuits and the criminal appeals begin. Time and effort in court because the light of day has exposed an entirely different narrative. A narrative that brings a new and different version of events to the forefront. A new narrative that should elicit feelings of outright shame among the chattering class and the left-wing demagogues who told us that they had our back. It's betrayal. There should be consequences, and I hope that there are. It's gross lies and videotape, and hopefully a pound of shame. And that's a wrap for The Right Side Way. Well, there you have it. If you haven't watched it, I want to encourage you. I mean, it's not like I often refer you to a news story or something to go watch, but I guarantee you if you go to the foxnews.com website, you can find access to last night's expose, and tonight is round two. It was the majority of his show last night. And I'm going to tell you, it was worth every second to watch it. It was amazing. And it truly just blows a hole in the narrative. Were there bad things that happened that day? Sure. Were there people who shouldn't have done some things they did? Sure. Maybe even some go to jail. But it is nothing like the image that we were forced to have to listen to over and over again for the last two year plus. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back.
We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. Making it cool to be a conservative. Uh, text lines are open. You want to text or call in for that matter. 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. I'm curious uh, how any of you thought that the, uh, if, you, if you watched the Tucker Carlson expose on um, the, uh, the videotape from January 6th, what your thoughts on it were. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. To me, and, and I won't, if you, if you feel like it still supports the narrative of the January 6th commission, I'd, I'd love to hear that. If you think it was not as big a deal as Carlson made it out to be, I'd love to hear that too. If you join me in believing that it proves that we have been lied to for the last two years plus, I'd like to hear that. Uh, because to me, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was pretty legit. I mean, it's hard to argue with video. They even had, he, he even, he even brought out videotape that had been used in the January 6th commission's, you know, presentations and showed the unedited versions that gave you an entirely different perspective. I mean, that kind of thing is just maddening in a court of law. We cannot get away with, you know, controlling the narrative so intensely that we actually alter the evidence to suit us. You can't do it. You have to provide the, the unadulterated evidence. You can show a segment, but you have to, you, the, the, the other side reserves the right to have it played in this entirety. You know, if you try to read out a section of a, um, a deposition, the other side has the right to say, Your Honor, I object. We need to read this in context. He's trying to misconstrue the meaning of the testimony. You, I mean, so all said and done, the January 6th commission just completely distorted the evidence. And, oh, by the way, they suppressed it. So when is that okay? Never. How about <laughs> just let's, let's give it a short. Never. It's not okay. Especially when you consider that there are people now in jail. There are people who have already entered into plea bargains that may have had the opportunity to have their um, at least their situation mitigated, if not have it you know completely thrown out, because the videotapes are amazing, and they show. In fact, I, I, here's one of the things that just really got me. So so yes, there were moments when it was it was pretty rough, and there were moments when the crowds were pushing through gates outside. I'm not saying everything was perfect that day. I'm not trying to say the whole thing was benign, because there were people who got out of hand, and they need to be dealt with, and I get it. But the reality is we, we, we have the, the January 6th commission and the media, for that matter, colluding to put together a storyline that doesn't match the history of what really took place, even to the extent that they hired a guy, they hired a guy who was a producer from Good Morning America, and his job was to come in and make it all, you know, more visually appealing. He even added the sounds of, of angry crowds to the pictures of people. So when you see crowds in the, in the rotunda of the Capitol, if you took out the sound, you realize they may just be milling around pointing things out to each other and taking selfies. But when you add in the disturbing sounds of like an angry crowd, all of a sudden, daggum, this is, this is legit. This is big doings. Well, that kind of stuff can't happen. I'll tell you one of the most egregious, too, to me, is what they did to some of their own members in Congress. So Senator Josh Hawley and, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Congressman Loudermilk from Georgia, I believe. So Loudermilk was accused by the January 6th Commission of giving people reconnaissance missions the day before so they would know exactly what hallway to go down. What? 
Now, first of all, if like some of you, I hope you have. If you haven't, please do it. I've been to the Capitol several times, and on one occasion, I actually asked, can we get a, a Capitol tour? And sure enough, staff members, in that case from uh, Congressman Gary Palmer's office, toured us through the uh, Capitol building. It was great, pointing out things I never knew were there, showing us stuff. That's what they do. I showed up on one visit, uh, and I unannounced walked into the House chamber, because you can do that, and there was uh, Congressman Robert Adderholt with a group of people from Gadsden, of all places, where I'm from. And so we sat down with them and, and listened to him give, give the history of the chamber. What I'm trying to say is congressmen do that all the time. The video showed an entirely different circumstance. They accused Loudermilk of helping with a reconnaissance mission for right-wingers. And then you look at it later on, it's like moms and dads and kids taking selfies and you know, being told what the statues mean. The other one, though, was Senator Josh Hawley. What they did to him was just, to me, just unreal. They tried to portray him as a coward. They even made light of him. They even, they even played a video which appeared to show him trotting out of the chamber and across a hallway to safety when they were evacuating all the members of the, of the House and Senate. And as he is trotting across, that's all they showed. And then they mocked him for it. Mocked him to the extent that the crowd who was watching the video being presented laughed at Senator Josh Hawley as he's being basically called a coward for vacating the building quickly. And yet when you saw the whole unedited video, what you realized was Hawley was the last one to leave. He was behind about 20 others who trotted out ahead of him, and then he was the last one to come out. Entirely different perspective when you do it that way, isn't it? But that's the kind of thing that they needed to help their narrative. That's the kind of thing they needed to shut down the people who might dissent. So, yeah, I mean, and with the text lines are going now. Um, so Tim, Tim from Madison uh, just texted it. Oh, my text lines quit working. He says uh, they're all liars and they should be put in jail. And then he said he should be let free. And I'm assuming what he means is the, uh, the, uh, uh, the dude with the horns. Um, Jeff uh, from Green Hill, Alabama. This said, uh, man, my text line is working so slow, Boomer, I can't get to open. Here it goes. More evidence of the police state that we're becoming, we've been lied to. Well, I hope that's not true. I'm hoping us finding out about it is, is reversing some of that. Susan from Elkmont heard another podcast that the shaman's defense team was refused access to the video. They were told it was classified. I don't doubt it. Missy from Balkville, you're absolutely right. We were lied to and deceived by convenient editing. Jenny from Decatur. This was literally about the left's hatred of Trump. Horrible. Some people indeed got out of hand, but all in all, it was a pretend movie. Just ludicrous. All right, folks, we're going to come right back. Moving to the Triple Dipper, policy versus reality. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey. 